0: Psalm chapters 24 and 25. Psalm chapter 24, verse 1. A Psalm of David. King David wrote this, To Jehovah is the earth and its fullness, the world and the inhabitants in it. The Lord owns everything, because he created all of it and all of us. 2. For he on the seas hath founded it, and on the floods he doth establish it. In the waters, he founded the earth. Just as the Bible seems to be saying over and over, the planet earth is sitting inside water. But he separated the waters from the waters, meaning he separated the water on earth from the water in space. And in between both of those, he gave us the atmosphere, which the Bible calls an expanse. And that's where air is. He created us to live in a place that has air but a lot of his animals he left in the water. Then he created other animals that live in the expanse with us. And then outside of that is space, which according to scripture is water. 3. Who doth go up into the hill of Jehovah, and who riseth up in his holy place? This is talking about Zion on earth, which was on a hill. Jerusalem has three hills in it. The part of Jerusalem called Zion was on one of those hills. But it's also referring to heaven, which is also apparently on a hill, because the Bible seems to be saying that as well. And none of us can go up there unless we're clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. 4. The clean of hands and pure of heart, who hath not lifted up to vanity his soul, nor hath sworn to deceit. Only those who have clean hands meaning we're not guilty of murder or harming anybody, and those who have a pure heart, meaning that we don't desire to do evil things, we desire to please the Lord, and those who are not vain, meaning that we're humble, and those who have not sworn to deceit, meaning that we have not told a lie. Now, all of us are guilty of these things, But when we repent of our sins and die to our own self-will, and Jesus becomes alive in us through faith, then we become like Jesus, and he has all of these traits. He has humility, honesty, a pure heart, and clean hands. When Jesus is alive in us, that's when we become righteous through him, and that's the only way that we'll be able to enter heaven. 5. He beareth away a blessing from Jehovah. When you walk in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, your life is blessed. That doesn't mean that you're rich, like the Word of Faith people say and the Charismatics sometimes say. It means that you're spiritually blessed, so you have great faith, great mercy in your life, great grace in your life. Righteousness from the God of His salvation, and all of the righteousness that we can ever have comes from the God of our salvation, who is Jesus 6. This is a generation of those seeking him, seeking thy face, O Jacob, Selah. It says that Jacob, who is Israel, is a generation of people seeking the face of God. If we're not Israelites, we are still engrafted into his family by faith. So you can say that we're grafted Israelites. And Selah is a musical direction that is in the songs. Nobody knows exactly what it means. It could mean sing faster, or sing slower, or sing softer, or sing vibrant and loud. I'm not sure what it means. 7. Lift up, O gates, your heads, and be lifted up, O doors, age during. Age during means forever. And come in, doth the King of glory. And this is referring to the gates of heaven because there are twelve gates to enter heaven. We'll learn about this when we read the book of Revelation. Each gate has the name of one of the tribes over it. When you enter heaven, you'll enter through one of those 12 gates, not all of them. Only the Lord knows which gate each of us will go into. And I personally believe that if the gate has a name on it, and the Lord has appointed which gate you go into, and there's 12 options. I think that that means that you are either part of that tribe, or you're grafted into that tribe when you go to heaven. But we're all one family in heaven, so everybody is related to everybody. And it says these gates will be open forever. And the book of Revelation also says that the gates of heaven do not close. Now the demons and the unrighteous cannot enter. Because God is God, he can prevent evil from entering, even with open gates. 8. Who is this, the King of Glory, Jehovah strong and mighty, Jehovah the mighty in battle? It's a rhetorical question, because we all know who the King of Glory is. He's Jesus Christ. He has all glory in heaven, and he's above everything that was ever made. And he is strong and mighty, and he will win the battle. He's won the battle many times for me personally, causing me to resist sin and keeping me safe. But he will win the ultimate battle, where Satan is destroyed in fire forever. 9 Lift up, O gates, your heads, and be lifted up, O doors, age during, and come in doth the King of Glory. And now it is saying, The gates of heaven are open forever, and the King of Glory is entering. Perhaps King David had a vision of Jesus entering heaven when he brought the captives into heaven. This would be the picture of when Jesus returned to the Father after liberating the captives who were in paradise, in the center of the earth. And I'm sure it was a glorious thing when those gates opened for the King of Glory to enter. And I bet David had a vision of what he was going to see later because he would have been brought in with all the other captives later. 10. Who is he, this King of Glory, Jehovah of Hosts? He is the King of Glory, Selah. It repeated that line three times in the song, that Jesus is the King of Glory. So this is worth repeating. It's worth it to go around telling people that Jesus is the King of Glory, because He is. And it's worth it to tell the Lord that He is the King of Glory. And that concludes Psalm chapter 24. Psalm chapter 25, verse 1. By David, unto thee, O Jehovah, my soul I lift up. King David wrote the song, and he says directly to the Lord, I am lifting up my soul to you. Whatever we lift up to the Lord is what we want the Lord to heal, or what we want the Lord to deliver or save. So he's saying, I lift up my soul unto your salvation. To my God, in thee I have trusted. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies exult over me. He's praying, let me be saved from my enemies. We know who our enemies are. It's Satan and all of the demons, and we're saying what we know the Lord is going to do. He's going to save us from eternal damnation with Satan and all of those demons. He's going to liberate us, and it will be Satan who is cast into the fire and not us. Now when I say us, I don't mean everybody on the planet. I mean everybody who follows Jesus. 3. Also, let none waiting on Thee be ashamed, let the treacherous dealers without cause be ashamed. And yes, Lord, let those demons be ashamed, but not us. When we follow the Lord, we are following the one who wins the battle, and not the one who loses. He isn't afraid that the Lord can't win the battle. It's rhetorical speech stating as a question or as a request what he already knows to be true. It's just a way of getting us to think. Like when your parent asks you a rhetorical question, What did I just say? They know that you know what they just said. It's a rhetorical statement to get you to think about it. For thy ways, O Jehovah, cause me to know thy paths, teach thou me. We need to pray this every day because we often forget that we need to know the ways of the Lord. Jesus, keep speaking to me, keep teaching me. Don't let my ears go deaf. Don't let me stop listening to you. 5. Cause me to tread in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. Near thee I have waited all the day. Are you waiting at Jesus' feet? We need to ask ourselves if we're waiting on the Lord or if we're just doing things our own way. David also said, teach me your truth. And this is something that we also need to be asking for on a daily basis, because false doctrine is everywhere, and we can easily get led astray. There's many times I myself have believed false doctrine for a period of time, because I wasn't on watch, and I didn't ask the Lord to teach me His way. I just believed what somebody told me. But if we read the Bible on our own, and let the Lord's Spirit speak to us, we'll stay on track. 6. Remember thy mercies, O Jehovah, and thy kindness, for from the age are they. He's asking the Lord to always have mercy on him and forgive him of his sins. 7. Sins of my youth and my transgressions, do not thou remember. According to thy kindness, be mindful of me, for thy goodness sake, O Jehovah. Again, he's asking for forgiveness for his past sins. He knows that he doesn't deserve forgiveness, none of us do. And that's why we ask for forgiveness, because it isn't something that we deserve. 8. Good and upright is Jehovah, therefore he directeth sinners in the way. He teaches sinners how to repent. He's taught me how to repent. There are some sins that I absolutely know for a fact that I will never, ever, ever do again, because not only did the Lord put a desire in my heart not to do those things, He took away that stronghold that was in my mind that caused me to believe that I desperately needed to commit that sin. A stronghold is a demonic belief system that makes us feel very desperate and very needy and feel like we can't make choices. So one example of a demonic stronghold is believing that you can't be happy unless you're married That will cause you to jump into any marriage because you're so desperate to start a family. And another demonic stronghold is believing that people are out to get you. That will cause you to attack other people in order to protect yourself when they're not out to get you at all. When he heals us of these demonic strongholds, we thereby learn how not to sin. 9. He causeth the humble to tread in judgment and teacheth the humble his way. If we keep remembering that we are not better than other people, and we are certainly not better than God, that's what makes us teachable. But arrogant people who look down on others and who don't think that they have to obey the Lord, they can't learn. 10. All the paths of Jehovah are kindness and truth to those keeping his covenant and his testimonies. We receive his kindness when we obey his laws. He's just so kind. It's incredible. 11. For thy name's sake, O Jehovah, thou hast pardoned mine iniquity, for it is great. All of us have sinned greatly, but he has forgiven us when we repent, because it glorifies his name that we are saved. So that's why he forgives us, because he gets the glory. 12. Who is this, the man fearing Jehovah? He directeth him in the way he doth choose. If we have a holy fear for God, we accept that he has the power to put us in heaven or hell eternally. If we fear him in that way, he will direct us. 13. His soul in good doth remain, and his seed doth possess the land. We all can have spiritual seed, meaning we can share the gospel with other people, and then those people become our spiritual children. So you can have great seed even if you never had your own kids. 14. The secret of Jehovah is for those fearing him, and his covenant to cause them to know. In the New Testament, Paul said there is no mystery except that Christ would die for us, and his secret is in those fearing him, meaning his mystery is in those fearing him. The elite people, they want to know all these secrets, and the witches want to know secrets, they want to know mysteries, but there's only one mystery. Everything that wicked people try to learn is not really a mystery to the Lord or to the demons, but the mystery is that Christ would die for us. That's the mystery, and that's what evil people never want to know. 15. Mine eyes are continually unto Jehovah. That means that we're constantly looking at him. A dog looks at its master, and it's so focused on its master. That's how we are when we follow the Lord. We're focused on him. For he bringeth out from a net my feet. We won't walk over the net and get trapped by it if we're following the Lord. And that's why we have to keep our focus on him. 16. Turn thou unto me, and favor me, for lonely and afflicted am I. That happened to me, you know, I was lonely and afflicted before I became born again. But I asked the Lord to turn unto me, and I repented of my sins and turned unto him. And now I feel favored. 17. The distresses of my heart have enlarged themselves. From my distresses bring me out. And this is a prayer of salvation. This is what we pray when we're repenting. Before I got saved, I had anxiety, fear, depression, loneliness, sorrow, self-hate. I was miserable all the time, but he changed me, and he saved me from all of that distress. 18. See mine affliction and my misery, and bear with all my sins. That means forgive all my sins. 19. See my enemies, for they have been many, and with violent hatred they have hated me. Those demons are many, and they do hate us with a violent hatred. They are constantly attacking, constantly enticing. 20. Keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I trusted in thee. This is a prayer I pray all the time because I see it all over the Bible. We especially see it in the Psalms. David said, keep me. Keep me in the faith. Keep me following you. Keep me focused on you. Keep me in your truth. Don't let me receive false doctrine. Keep me in your holy fear. Don't let me get lazy and turn back to sin. When we stop praying for this, we slip. And we'll never be ashamed of Jesus because we can always count on him to save and deliver us. 21. Integrity and uprightness do keep me, for I have waited on thee. When we obey the commands of the Lord, that's what integrity and uprightness is. And that keeps us in line with Jesus. 22. Redeem Israel, O God, from all his distresses. This is a simile comparing Israel to a man in distress. You and I can pray the same thing too, because the Israel that's going to heaven includes the Jews and the Gentiles who are grafted in to the family of God, the Bride of Christ. We can pray for the Bride every single day as well, because the whole Bride is sometimes under distress because of the attacks of the enemy. So we can pray for the church. And that concludes Psalm chapter 25.